Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 37 of Swimming Upstream and our Miami Marlins 2022 season primer. We did this for each minor league affiliate with a great guest. We did this episode with the great Jordan McPherson from the Miami Herald last year. And we have a great guest with us today for the 2022 version of this episode where we will recap what was a pretty tumultuous offseason for the Marlins uh, in spring training. And then we'll get into what we can realistically expect from the 2022 parent club, the Miami Marlins. Before we bring in the guests, got to bring back in my co-host, Danny. So Danny DeVivo, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, Alex, baseball is starting finally. We didn't know we we're going to get here. <laughs> really didn't know. Uh, we're all very nervous for, for, for a long time. Thankfully, um, we are hours away from uh, opening day. Uh, we already have AAA games going on, so we're happy people right now and very excited to have um, great Joe with us here. Yeah, exactly. You said it. I mean, that brings us to, to Joe. Danny, Danny said it perfectly. Former Marlins beat reporter for MLB.com for a long time and, of course, now uh, owner and operator of a great project that I continue to read and everybody should as well, Men on Second Baseball, which works to cover – uh, baseball, not only with the Marlins, but really all over the state of Florida. It's the, the very great Joe. You guys know him, Joe Fasaro. So Joe, thank you for agreeing to do this with us. Uh, it was great seeing you out at the fields this spring. I'm sure we'll see you during the year, but how are we doing? <laughs> oh, great, Alex. And, and thanks for having me. And thanks, Danny, for the kind words as well. Uh, honored to do it, you know, and, and touching on what Danny said to start, you know, we were this close. It felt like not having baseball and everyone's frustration level was high. And, and man, I mean, I saw you out at, at Roger Dean. It really turned positive right after the CBA. Because I was a little curious, how was it going to be? Was there going to be any backlash? But man, everyone seemed to want and embrace. The players are great. Uh, the team said the right thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's exciting time for the Marlins. I'm not sure 2022 is when they get over the hump at the big league level. They're getting closer to there. But the farm system's really good. And, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for the greats. And we have, well, I'm sure we'll address a few we think are going to be, but um, it's, it's the best system, you know, in terms of depth that I've seen in a long, long time in the organization. Yeah. Great to hear. And Joe would be the guy to, to know about that. Again, like I said, uh, been around this team for a very long time. So that's a very encouraging words from Mr. Rosaro. Uh, before we get into the team, Joe, I wanted to ask you one thing uh, personally, uh, like I said, for nearly two decades, you were, pretty much the staple when it came to Marlins news uh, after 19 years and going through our, you know, the global pandemic, of course, you stepped aside from your role with MLB, yeah. uh, but it didn't take you that long to reappear on the scene. Uh, in 2021, you launched uh, man on second baseball, which like I said, dedicated to not only covering the Marlins, but really baseball all over the state of Florida. We know you go on road trips and do great stuff covering prospects. I know you're in Arizona doing the fall league. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really great stuff. I, I really like, that I love that you have continued to remain active in the baseball world, even after you've left MLB. But my question is uh, other than your love for doing what you did and have done for a long time, what made you want to start up man on second and uh, how's the project going right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was something I was thinking towards the last couple of years when I was at MLB.com, I was like the grind of the beat for what 18, 19, 18 season, 18 years, 19 seasons of, Literally, like I tell people this, I, I never went more than five days without typing the word Miami Marlins or Marlins because I literally had no off time for almost 20 years or more than five days. Even vacations were pulled back in. One time I was on vacation, they signed Stanton 
And they're like, you have to come back as the biggest story of the all season. So, you know, you do that, you know, every day. I mean, call to work on Christmas Day, uh, two major trades on Thanksgiving when they traded, you know, uh, Beckett and Lowell to Boston. And right after they had traded, you know, Carlos Delgado to the Mets. You know, it's just the grind of it is why I love it, but it also can wear on you. And I got to a point in my life, I was like, man, this is really, really hard. And the, in terms of just doing and sustaining, and I wanted to stay fresh. I didn't want to be the, you know, the guy that, that lost a mile on this fastball and so forth. And after the pandemic, uh, that raised a lot of concerns, you know, the state of the game. And, you know, obviously MLB.com has been nothing but great to me. And I, it's the best job I ever had and ever will have. Uh, they offered a really good package to, to step aside as at a time in my life. I'm like, yeah, you know what? And it also bought, bought me some time to, to kind of think, do I want to do this? What do I want to do? But I knew I wanted to try to do something entrepreneurial. You know, I you know, 38 years, guys, you know, in terms of newspapers and MLB.com, you know, working at that. So a chance to, you know, stay involved. I didn't know how exactly I wanted it to look, and it's still evolving. And so I came up with the website, Man on Second Baseball, which was the metaphor for me, because at the time, the, the Man on Second rule was for extra innings. And it was like, here I am. I'm in the extra innings of my career. The game's not over for me, but you know, I'm not in the first inning either. So it, that kind of that kind of came started with the man a man on second baseball spelled all out.com, the website. Then a few people approached me about a podcast. And and so we're doing that. And and so I'm building it that way. And what I guys, I didn't know how much people wanted to read. I enjoy writing, obviously. I've done it forever. Uh, but I didn't know how much people wanted to read until this the lockout ended. And I wrote a few stories and the traffic was really high. So I'm very encouraged. Um, an old partner in crime, you guys don't know it, but I met many moons ago, I worked at the Tampa Tribune, which no longer exists, sadly. And I covered the Buccaneers with a man named Nick Puglisi, who happens to be the sports editor of the Palm Beach Post, which is also Gannett owned. And so to help Nick out, I've written several stories and I'm helping him out. Uh, with some stories that people could read of mine in the Palm Beach Post as well. So, you know, it, it gives me the freedom to do what I want to do and, and try to build something. And as you noted, ideally, I like it a little more state than specific Marlins, but it's my wheelhouse. And I'm, I'm obviously right there right now. But who knows? Maybe we'll grow and, and see where it goes. But I'd love to have more raised coverage and, and, and guests and so forth. And, and then I really want to also hit on if UM as a first rounder or, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the preps that are, are there. Cause there's, there's so much more, you know, we're all following how the, how the jumbo shrimp are doing. We were all watching Max Meyer last night and I'm watching Tristan Casas as well. He's American heritage right here in Broward, you know, with, with the, with the Red Sox affiliate, the whoop. What are the woohoos? What do they call them? The, the woo socks. The woohoos. Yeah, the, the woo socks. socks. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> don't mean, but you know, they got some good players there. Uh, so we're, we're, we're trying to build a brand to, to kind of let people know because part of Alex, what I was doing is everyone says Florida's football state, right? And it is. But look at the baseball players we have here. You know, for years, you know, covering mm -hmm. the Marlins, you hear, oh, you know, they're playing, you know, Eric Hosmer or, or JD Martinez or obviously Manny Machado, you know, and then and you go on and on. And I want to kind of bring their stories when I can, as well as, you know, the Marlins and, and 
do all that. So I'm re-energized to be honest. I'm more excited about this year, you know, than, than I have been and just want to see if this thing grows and, and kind of make baseball and appreciate what guys that you like you guys do that just are bringing awareness to, to baseball. And the more, the more, the merrier, you know, the more people, you know, that are, are doing this, that are building up, you know, baseball fans and creating young and I'm encouraged because you guys are younger and you guys can speak to, the people who say younger guys don't like baseball and, and, you know, younger people don't like baseball and you, you guys have more passion probably than, you know, my generation, you know, they, they don't have the passion where they would just wake up and start tweeting. Obviously there wasn't Twitter back then, but you know, it, it's, it's really in you guys. And, and, it, and it's kind of fun to, to cover. And, and, you know, as well, Alex being at the ballpark in Jupiter was, was a lot of fun. Well, I absolutely agree with with Alex, um, and it really is premium content <clears throat> what, what you're creating, and not just Marlins. So, you know, anybody listening to this, please, you know, if you haven't, check out the stuff. It's it's really great. Um, you have a really good mind, and Joe really just, uh, you know, t- making his takes on on current baseball in Florida. So. Um, Moving on, I wanted to kind of touch on the offseason. Obviously, it was a very unique one um, with that deadline before the lockout. Um, can you touch on what your thoughts are, are on, you know, how, how the offseason went for Miami and if, if you feel the lockout really, really affected decisions? Uh, well, let's start with Derek Jeter. You know, it's like that was the shocker. You know, that not only did you have the lockout, Jeter for four and a half years had been the face and the final say voice of the organization. So every move they made, you know, J.J. Blade to uh, signing Sandy to, you know, signing Garcia, you know, to every everything. His fingerprints are on it all. So, you know, they make that bombshell comes right before spring starts. Again, you know, here's a team I felt bad for because. The, the Marlins lost the opportunity to sell tickets in the offseason because we didn't know when the season would start. Um, you know, the whole revenue sharing, the CBA, make no mistake, guys, the CBA is not intended to help the Marlins or the Rays. It makes the Yankees better, makes the Red Sox better, the exactly. Dodgers, because it raised the, the, the luxury. Now, that doesn't mean that the Marlins, the Rays and, and the you know, lo- lower revenue you know, teams can't compete. It just makes it harder to go get. Nick Castellanos, who I thought was the perfect fit here, but you know the the Phillies will always be able to spend a little bit more or whatever because of just the nature of their markets. That doesn't mean again that you can't counter with a Jorge Soler and and still you know do damage. But um, I think the Marlins, if you were to grade it, they you know once the lockout ended and once Bruce Sherman made the statement, you know we have money to spend and we're going to spend it and kind of put his neck out there, and then they didn't. You know, they kind of salvaged. I thought they recovered nicely with Soler. Um, and Kim Eng recovered nicely by the biggest needs, obviously, were more offense. They addressed that the best they could. Obviously, you know, if they could have got Brian Reynolds, you know, you, you want the perfect one, uh, you know, to make the, the offseason for the offense. You know, they, they didn't address that, but they made a conscious decision. We're going to give up a little bit of defense in the outfield, but Jesus Sanchez is going to be in this lineup every day, flanked by two you know, power hitting, you know, corner outfielders from the right side, and they're going to just try to outscore you. And then they could always defensive sub late. Uh, But what was the glaring hole? And Alex could, you know, you know, everyone that saw it, saw it. The bullpen was the glaring hole. 
Um, and they addressed it on Sunday with, with two relievers from Baltimore. So I, I, you got to give her high grades because they upgraded the offense and they addressed their biggest needs. Now they're scrambling to make room on the 40 man, which is why Alex Jackson was jettisoned out tonight. And there still might be another one of those, which is really, you're not even caring about the return. You need to free the 40 man spot because you want Grant Dayton to make the team and whatever. There's no room for them. So, so I think they've done well in addressing their needs and, and more importantly, and you guys like this, it didn't cost Jose Salas. It didn't cost Peyton Burdick, you know, it, you know, it didn't cost Yuri Perez or Max Meyer or Jake Eater or Eddie Cabrera. You know, it's like, they, as long as they're doing those moves, those are shrewd and, and I like it. You know, I, I like a lot of what they've done. Are they a, a flawed team? Absolutely. You know, they still need a lot to go right, but I think for a one year, I think you could see a pretty big jump from 95 losses to getting closer to that 80 win season. And then if you're right there, keep in mind, guys, you get to July, maybe you have to use someone you not want to leave, you know, move. But July, you make that trade for that established for, you know, player, whether it's a you know bullpen arm or a bat. Next thing you know, you're one of one of 12 in the postseason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think they made they salvaged it, like you said, um, you know especially after Jeter suddenly leaving and now Kim has the reins and, you know, they didn't do a lot at first. Like everybody was freaking out after Sherman made that statement. We were both there to hear it, Joe, that, you know, we got money, we're going to spend it. And then they sat around for a little while and everybody's thinking, well, what the heck are they doing? And uh, they, they salvaged it well though. Um, the one thing I want to mention that you just talked about it. Uh, I, I have to mention center field. We're going to talk about the bullpen too, but I got to mention center field. Uh, like you said, they got Solari. He's not a center fielder. Uh, they got Avi. He can probably fake it in center field. Um, and then it looked like it was going to be Roman Quinn and then De La Cruz comes back and he goes, he gets the FA. So at least they have now DLC coming off the bench. And that's, that's a true defensive center fielder. He can really man that position, but he's not a starter. The starter is going to be Jesus Sanchez, like you said, and Jesus, you know, he started his, his career there in the minors, I think in the DSL started his career there. Um, hasn't played a lot of it since his first two seasons down there in short season ball. And he has this injury pass behind him. So I, I think it's a little bit of a risk in, in, in putting him in that position. Um, I'm also kind of concerned about, you know, what the routes are going to look like at Lone Depot. You know, it's a little tricky. So my question is, do you think he'll be fine there over the course of a full season to start there? And are you confident in just having DLC and maybe John Birdie coming up behind him up the bench? Yeah, I mean, those are all great and they're all legit and they're all accurate. <laughs> you know, and I'd be lying if I didn't say watching outfield defensive play in the last three, four, five spring training games wasn't an adventure. They don't necessarily come in on the balls. Well, uh, they don't have, you know, I'm going to use this word. I've used it on my podcast. I'll give it to you guys. And it's a scouts term closing speed. You know, uh, those, those go get them center fielders had that closing speed, especially like you say at Lone Depot, which is really big or, you know, is Sanchi who runs well, he doesn't run super great. Um, but these are three big men they're going to have in their outfield. They're, they're starters. Um, and I, I worry about those balls coming in. I think defensive position is going to be vital, you know, without question. Um, and yes, it's a concern. It's, it's a concern. Their outfield defense, especially, you know, the, who was it? Did Rays today play the Phillies? Was that a, a real game? And they played it at the, at the drop. My point being, if they so. did yeah. was they at least played a game in the building. You know what I mean? The Marlins didn't have something set up like that, you know, where to play UM even or whoever. Uh, you know, if you get someone, you know, 
to go down to Miami and play that one game just to just to play in the field before you you take off and go and go out to San Fran. Uh, Which is also know, a crazy to, outfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not going to be fun. That's going to be an adventure too, and because the ball's in the air there as well. And on top of that, Alex can attest too. Spring training, those fields are windy. You 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 don't always even the best of outfielders defensively look bad in spring training. The sun, there, there's so many balls lost in the sun. The wind, there's so many wind dated hits and homers and fluky outs. So it, it's not easy. Um, that said, you know, when I just noted on the 40 man situation, Roman Quinn was making this team. I mean, the plan was for, for Dela Cruz and they made the move this early. They knew what, what they were wanting to do. Once they knew they're going to go a little bit more defensive in the outfield, that's what was out there guys. I mean, if you can't make the trade for, for, um, Reynolds or, you know, somebody else that you wanted, then you got it. They decided we, our priority was we needed to score more runs. So they went with that blueprint It worked for the Braves last year in the world series. You know, not the, you know, I know Duvall won a gold glove, but you know, sometimes those get taken for what it, what it's worth. Uh, you know, he isn't your prototype center field. He's playing center field in the, in the world series, you know, but they were able to have that firepower to really, you know, and they all got hot at the right time and won it all. Uh, so they went that route with in mind, hoping to get just somebody that could go be the defensive replacement late, start occasionally. Uh, that's why Brian Anderson's going to be playing corner from time to time, just to get these guys off their feet. And Dela Cruz, the plan, get him in AAA, play all the time, because if he is needed, he will be at least have the at-bats in AAA, and he can come in and be effective. Right now, I don't know how he's going to get many at-bats. And so even if he's counted on I'm a little concern there. So there are there are some things I'm concerned about there. But you know what, guys, I think in general, I think the first part of the year, especially because, you know, I, I tweeted this the other day and I was talking to I was talking to Cooper the other day about how many at bats do you need? And then I kind of in the head, you always hear, but he's 30 to 35, you know, and he was right there to get 34 plate appearances, 29 ABs. And he's right there. The, the timing's fine. They're going to be they're going to be fine. The, the regulars with the at bat, but their game legs. They're you know how are they going to hold up? Keep this in mind too. Now they're going to go back to the turf. I know it's it's you know at, at Lone Depot it's that 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 turf that's as close to grass as can be, but it's still turf. So they're going to be a lot of substituting, a lot of you know shuffling around. You need a very flexible you know versatile uh, roster. All teams do. And, and you got to monitor these guys, you know, that make sure you're going to have to manage them. They, they play two, two, three games in a row early on. They're probably coming out of the lineup, which will get De La Cruz more at-bats, but still not the same. I mean, look, at Blade is going to have, what, eight at-bats by the time we get off this podcast. You know, it's like, and, and that would have been De La Cruz as well. And the season, the, you know, he'd have two more days before the Marlins take the field, basically. He'd have 12 at-bats before the Marlins season even kind of really gets going. Um, so yes, it's a defense, it's the defensive part of, of the outfield is a concern, but what's the alternative? We, we kind of experienced it. We've had Brinson, you know, Monte, you could have kept him. You wouldn't, you would, you're sat, you're sacrificing offense for the defense now, which is back to where you were. And I, and I challenge you guys to really find if You look around baseball who, you know, Kike Hernandez playing center field in Boston, you know, uh, the Diamondbacks have a catcher in you know, Dalton Varsho, 
and and Paven Smith, the first baseman, play in center field as well. You know, their their team, the Dodgers, we're gonna have in Bellinger will go to center field because they got Freeman, but yeah, the first baseman, so you know, it's it's not the true position it used to, it's not the Willie Mays days where you know you just are, you know, hit you know close to 700 homers and you're 20 time all star, and you know, but and you could do ever, literally everything on the field. It's more of a your truer center fielder is your Juan Lagares is your you know those guys they're they're more your fourth fifth outfielders right now, so they have that going for them. But you raised a real good point. You know how are they going to run the ball out in the outfield and just hope that they don't give up too many hits out there in the pitching. Yeah, exactly. You just hope. I guess you, I guess the 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 long answer the short answer to the long answer is you hope you drive in more than you allow. <laughs> Exactly. And um, I'm with you there. It is a breath of fresh air um, to sacrifice a little bit of defense for the offense because the offense has just been so bad for the Marlins for so long. It's interesting to see. So it is, it's a bit worrying. That's absolutely agreed. But, you know, the outfield hitters, they're really, really good. So let's see what happens. Um, It'll be an adventure, as you said. Yeah, I could uh, so, see guys. I could see, uh, not to interrupt you, Dan, but I could see no. them doing the game where, okay, Garcia, you know, hits a homer, let's say, and he's hitting fifth, um, and it's the sixth inning, and now you're up four runs. You get him off your feet. You get Dela Cruz in there, and next thing you know, Sanchi goes to right. You know, so I, I could just see if you're a fantasy player, just buy in on all of them because you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of guys with three at bats early on. But yeah. on the flip side, if you got somebody facing the Marlins that you think can hit the ball well, and they hit their their fly ball hitter, you know, you might <laughs> want to look like playing them against Miami as well, especially in Miami. You know, so I'm it's giving true. a little uh, fantasy fantasy and, and prop betting advice uh, you know, <laughs> as well. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about our about Miami's GM Kim Ang. Um, second year now, uh, first year, I think it's safe to say that. She was part of a, a bigger group of decisions, you know, decision makers, um, maybe not as independent as she may be now. Um, so in her first offseason, how would you grade her? Um, how, how do you think you did touch a little bit on this, but uh, how do you think she's doing uh, with all of your years of experience and looking at GMs and how they express themselves and the moves they make and all that stuff? I think you have to look at it as um, a plan and following through the best you can and, and how you, and the culture you're building. Uh, A year ago, obviously she came in, in what, November, I believe it was like November when she got in, in 21. And so the off season already started. She, she didn't have the benefit of even knowing who's in the system. Obviously Derek was, you know, still making a lot of those, those calls, but they, this is what I didn't like about 2021. They came in catching was our top need. You know, that was even, it was like catching is our top need and they didn't address it. All they did was try to package a, a, a vastly improved Jorge Alfaro on us. And then all of a sudden you find out, Oh, well they wanted Wilson, you know, Contreras. I don't care who you wanted. I care who you get. You know, it's like everyone wants better. Everyone's calling up everybody else to try to address needs, you have to address it. 
So what did they do there? So I, I didn't like that. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm a believer. If you say oh, I need offense, you go get offense, whether it was your fourth signing or whatever, you, you get offense. She did that this off season. They, then they made, they had to, they had to adjust. There wasn't that center fielder on the market, at least the free agent, you know, there was, if you want to count Starling Marte, but you know, then you had to go to a number that you're comfortable with there. And, you know, they chose not to go there and, you know, so they did address offense, you know, they did address catcher, you know, okay. You know, they got, they got Jacob Stallings. So they, they made those moves, all good moves. Um, and I, and like I said, they went into when she really took over after Derek's, you know, resignation, they needed offense and they needed bullpen. And in a four week, three and a half week period, she got them both done. And so I think credit's got to be where credit is. You know, you got there. I still, a, a large part of me, and this is a Jack McKeon in me influence. When you say you want something, I still would like to see the Marlins. If they say Nick Castellano's my number one, you know, target, go get him. You know, you, you may have to overpay, but I would like to see that. If you, you know, you can't always control it because free agency is a two-way street, but I would like to see the first choice be be the acquisition more than just the third or fourth choice because we still had our, on our board and we still got that. I, I, that's just in general. I think the, the great teams do that. The Dodgers are notorious for it. You know, they just go and they, obviously they're the Dodgers, but they can make trades because of their system and they're not afraid to do it. Um, and I also think Kim needs credit because remember everyone was wanting her to sign Brian Anderson a year or so ago to, you know, whatever, if it would have been a $40 million deal and nothing against Andy, I hope he gets all the money he can get. But I think the patience uh, is, is paid off and she is, and she is patient as, as Derek was. And I think you need to be that way because the administration before the ownership, before the, the Loria group with Samson and so forth would turn on a dime and you lose the trust of your clubhouse and your, your organization. If you, if the players don't feel there's any, any, if they're getting mixed messages or there's no leash for, for any type of failure, you, you start losing your clubhouse and, and then everyone starts thinking they're looking over their shoulders. I had a bad day, I had a bad week, I'm getting sent down. And that's, you don't like to be there. I've seen many a Marlins team there. And I think these Marlins are much better at at showing the patience, maybe to a fault, I think it hurt Brinson. You know, they basically just let him just, just demoralize him back in 18. They just played him so much. And instead of like, he was begging to be sent down and until you, you just, you just beat the confidence out of him. I think we're seeing Isan Diaz in that moment right now too. Now, granted, maybe they weren't what we're supposed to be, but um, you don't like seeing that in a player when they're they're looking completely lost. Uh, but overall, I think that they've done a good job, and she's done a good job of that kind of patience. That's why, you know, and I get it. Twitter's Twitter, and you know, go get a center fielder because you didn't like the route Sanchi took, or or Brian Anderson dropped the ball on something. It, you can't tell Jesus Sanchez you're my center fielder, and three days later, you know, have uh, you know, all of a sudden you have Tapia coming in from Colorado instead of going to. To Toronto, because now all of a sudden everybody else is going to say, "Wait a minute, you know, what's when 
what's going to happen. They did that to him. What's going to happen to me? So there, it's you, you got to keep these, this stuff's real at the big league level. You know, it's how these players are treated and the messages they hear. That's when the players want to be Marlins and 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 embrace you know coming here. So do you, do you feel really quickly to follow up on that that um, the plan at least after the lockout was to acquire a center fielder via trade, um, like a, a, a really good one. And they just couldn't, couldn't follow through on that. Maybe not yet. Maybe it's something they could do later on on the deadline. Um, but do you feel like that was the plan, but they couldn't follow through. They just, you know, they were asking for too much. Uh, if you're asking if Brian Reynolds was probably one on their board, um, I don't know if I could honestly tell you he wasn't because I, I hear enough that I, I can see that they because they've said it. Donnie even said it and, and, and Kim had said it. They've been looking for a pure or more traditional center fielder. Uh, you know, so but that's the deal. You, you, you're only dealing with, you know, if you don't sign Marte, then you're going the trade route. Now you're at the mercy of the teams and, it, and it's really hard for, and you know, the pirates are basically sellers, you know, and it's hard to always find a, a match with that, you know, because, you know, they, you might want to be give, give them, you know, something, uh, you know, like, a, you know, you, you, you may not, you, you don't want to give up your farm for them. That, that's the bottom line with, with Reynolds, you would give up, you know, a, a veteran guy, a rental guy or whatever you can make in other trades. So, yeah, the answer to your question is, yeah, I think obviously you'd rather have, whether, whether it's Brandon Marsh, but the, the Angels are trying to compete, you know, they, so you can't really give them a pitching prospect, you know, and you got, you're taking away a center fielder for them or, you know, corner outfit that could play center field. You know, it, it, those trades are hard. They're hard to make. You know, the, the Gallon Chisholm Jr. trades are very rare. Now you just go get one-on-one, a position player for a pitcher, and, you know, they both outside of Gallon's injury hiccups, but, you know, he's, he's when healthy, he's pretty good. Um, and we know what Jazz, what we hope Jazz can be. So that was an interesting baseball trade. Those are those are hard to find that match. Like, you couldn't really do it with the Pirates because they, they boxed themselves in needing a lot. And if they want pitching – how much of that do you want to give? If giving Edward Cabrera would be a lot because Edward might be in this rotation in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's, and he's clearly one of their best five right now. And there's no mistake. He's one of their best five right now. They're yeah. just choosing not to, not to get him up here. I, I think he's a little behind. I mean, they're starting him in Jupiter, right? So they want to build him back up, obviously, right? Before they bring him up. But yeah, you're right. I yeah. Mean, but it, regardless, but right. you know, into, you know, all these guys are being built up anyway. There's, right. you know, not a, you know, everyone's going to be a degree, whether you go four innings as first start or three and yeah. a third, you yeah. know, it's, uh, you got I'm, next I'm with day. you, Joe. You know, Eddie Cabrera you know. is in my rotation 100%. Yeah. He's my guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, no yeah. knock on Eliezer. I think he would be really good in the bullpen. Anyways. Um, we'll go on. I mean, I think that could obviously happen a little bit down the road here, especially if, you know, this injury scare and everything else. Anyways, that's off topic. We'll go on. Um, we mentioned Jesus and Joe, you mentioned jazz. So my next question here, we can be kind of brief. I just want to know, you know, they both were here last year. They were, uh, jazz was basically full-time. Jesus came up, you know, obviously a little bit after, you know, whatever it may be with his contract situation, they wanted to save the year of control. I think that was probably why he was down there a little bit 
more than he should have been. I think he should have been here a little bit earlier, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, my question is what, what does a successful year look like for players like this? These sophomore players like Jesus Sanchez and Jazz Chisholm Jr. Oh boy. Successful years for, for both of them is just be who they are. I, they're both really fun, exciting players who love to play and lefty power that plays better in the home ballpark than righty power, because unless you're Stanton, you know, it's really hard with that left center field. Uh, they're good. They're good players, you know, and, um, and they're exciting. They bring energy. And I think both of them are primed for good years because the lineup around them is better. You know, keep this in mind. You're a rookie on a bad team that doesn't score runs, 28th in runs or 29th in runs. And you play in a ballpark that's not hitter friendly and you're, you're just getting your head beaten in every night from in August and September. You know, what, what kind of numbers are you going to put up? You know, honestly, it's like it. But, you know, you got more protection. I mean, if you're asking me what I think jazz, the sky's the limit for jazz. You know, I think he, yes, we know what, we know he needs more, you know, to cut down on strikeouts and all that other stuff. But that's why one of the reasons I push him for him up high in the order is I think you allow that to come out. I fan grass is wonderful and, and stat cast is wonderful, but it's not, people get married to it too much. They think that defines you oh, it's two months and, you know, you had a 305 or whatever on base that you get, you don't see the talent in the player, you know, it, that you got to see this guy, you know, he scares teams, you know, it, you know, he's on base, he scores on the, on the ball in the gap, he steals a bag, you know, they, so I think jazz could be, you know, he hits over 250, 260 with, you know, you know, we, we, what am I, I wouldn't say 20 homers, 30 steals. I mean, that, that's who he could be. And and his defense is going to be fine, you know, as long as he's locked in. Uh, Sanchi, with more power around him, as long as he doesn't try to be a hero too much, and I don't think he has to, well, hits the ball a long way. And I mentioned this to one of their PR people. I said, you know, I've seen a lot of players, but talking to those guys, especially those two specifically, man, they're all smiles. I remember a young Yelich, he was that way, you know, in spring training and in 13, just they just love playing baseball. And it, it makes me feel good to go in and see these guys that love the game and like being, you know, fan favorites and, and like to play the fans. And they're fun guys. I think the Marlins are, and I think, like I said, I think the best benefit for them is they don't have to be, they don't have to carry it because I've seen way too many Marlin teams that the rookies had to carry. The rookies were the best players on the team. And, you know, it's a heavy burden, you know, on a team that when your best players are your, your rookies. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. absolutely. No, it, it absolutely makes sense. Um, so we touched on the rotation a little bit and you, you mentioned that. Edward should probably be in there, which really begs that question. How long do you feel are um, definitely Eliezer's, but also um, Luzardo's leashes with guys like Max Meyer and Edward Cabrera? They look like they're ready um, to get into that rotation. So how long? And their, their leashes are probably different, uh, different lengths. But what do you think about those two? Well, I think uh, I think the leash on, on the rotation is going to be how what's their record looking like? You know, let's say Eliezer and 
let's hope he's healthy and, and throwing really well. But let's say he is struggling, but they're off to a fast start. You could you could carry him, but the Marlins can't have a bad first month. They can't go you know five and fifteen or something like that. They yeah. can't get uh, out of it. Have- and they, you know they you know what I mean. If, if they get off to a start like that, then it doesn't even matter. You could keep Cabrera down as long as you want, and the season could be over within three weeks. So I think part of that would be making sure you're not there. Uh, you know you have they obviously they they made it clear they want to contend. And and you raise a good point, and it's the point that. What's the CBA done? This new CBA, it, it, you don't have to keep, it doesn't matter for these guys like Cabrera. It, there's no more June 4th or whatever the day is. And you get an extra year or, or April 10th or whatever, you know, and he's, you know, okay, he's a super two, but he, you know, you get the extra year control, which that was a little surprising to me. And it maybe is a function that Edward isn't as ready as they want him to be. But, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. is breaking camp in Kansas City. You know, we're going to see. Uh, that's the, that's what I would have curious to see that the Marlins would have done that with either Max or, or Edward and just, you know, get them in right away. And they chose not to. And, that, and that's fine. You know, they, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they have, there's a lot more to that. But, Danny, I thought you were going to ask me not so much Max Meyer in the rotation, but the other one, you know, when's ah. he gonna pitch the <laughs> you know, that's where I thought that 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 could be going uh, because I still wouldn't be shocked if that's his best profile. That would be really interesting in August, September, definitely. Yeah, yeah, would definitely be interesting. Not I, being I, on the forty man right now though hurts. I, I'm just saying right. that, you know, and yeah. So just keep an eye on the forty man on, on these prospects right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from what we see in the minors, like other than last night, it was kind of slow for him, and he wasn't even bad last night, but. From everything we saw last year and in spring training, I, I, I like that. I, I think you have to continue developing as a starter. Is he interesting if the Marlins are in it late in the year to come up as a bullpen piece if he's not here already? For sure. But yeah, like Joe said, got to make room and maybe that's difficult. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting topic. Um, the, we'll go on. I want to hit on one more thing, big league, before we finish up, Joe. Uh, you mentioned it before. You mentioned this, this trade that uh, the most recent trade, well, before Alex Jackson today, the most recent trade was for the bullpen pieces and Cole Sulcer and Tanner Scott from the Baltimore Orioles. And the structure of this trade really intrigued me. I think it intrigued Danny as well. Um, and Antonio Velez, that's a guy, I mean, there's so much credit to be given to the Marlins organization with that guy that they pluck him out as, you know, obviously it was a shortened draft, but they get him as an undrafted free agent and out of nowhere develop him into this pretty good, mostly off-speed guy with three really good pitches. And they get this kind of value out of him. And then in addition, you trade away a very projectable prospect in Kevin Guerrero. But then what kind of said it to me that the Marlins really want to win right now, it kind of put the exclamation point on it for me. How good do the Marlins do in the draft? And they traded away a competitive balance pick. So everything together in that trade, um, Velez could have contributed pretty quickly, maybe blocked by other guys. Yes, but definitely bullpen could have contributed at 25 years old. Guerrero, a very projectable outfielder, 17 years old, guy that the Marlins could have definitely built up if they were still hugging prospects as people like to say. And then, like I said, a draft pick. So I, I love this for the message of winning now. So just your thoughts there. And um, where do you think these guys slot in? I think Solcer probably high leverage to closer. And then Scott, if he can fix his fastball command, that guy looks really good. Throws a hundred miles an hour. So yeah, your thoughts on that trade real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. And I still think they weren't necessary. Once, you know, I hear a little bit more. Uh, I think that the second 
won in that trade, whether it was Scott was the second. But I think the fact that that's kind of what got Quinn off the roster, you know, is the fact that they got two 40-man guys. So I think they were doing business with them for one, you know, one of those two. And I'm just surmised I haven't, you know, completely heard everything yet. But the fact that they were able to get two was very interesting. And um, I just wonder how that presented itself. Uh, because as you know, you know, I think Salser, I, I think Bender, just for familiarity, probably a, maybe a combination of Blyer and Bender or something like that. And then, and then, and the Salser, I, I could see them doing something like that, but obviously Cole has, has closed, which gives an advantage, but he's never, it was his first appearance with the Marlins. It's going to be the ninth inning here, you're at San Fran on opening day, go close them out. Um, you know, they don't even know what he can do. Uh, that do they, do they, does he have Donnie's trust right there or, or Mel's, you know, based on a, one bullpen? Um, or do you just go a bender and, and, you know, hope that that, that works out for you? So you're, you're, you're not wrong. I think he can, he can close. Scott is interesting, as you know, because he could be one of those guys. If he's, if he's off, he's way off. Um, but, it's intriguing, you know, when he's on, because like you say, left-hander, I think he averaged, averaged 14 with 96, according to StatCast, I believe. Uh, so that, that's big value. It's just, you know, these are two really solid pieces. Do they put you ahead of the Braves? No, but, you know, it, it gets you closer to being that 500 caliber team. And and then in answer to the guys that, that left, well, you got to move somebody and you didn't move, like I said, you didn't move uh, Salas. You didn't move Burdick. And, you know, now you have those type of players if you need to go and, and do something in July, where whatever it can be, we can't forecast that if they need a batter or norm at this point because you don't know what happens. I personally want don't want to see Watson or Perez leave. I don't think they are, would move either one, but uh, so you always hear no one's off limits, that type of stuff. So, Right. Gotcha. We know that the ask apparently from what we've heard was Meyer and Watson, which is very hefty price tag to pay. And the Marlins clearly weren't doing it. So, and I'm with you. I hope they don't trade a lot of these top guys either. Watson, Yuri, Max, like a a lot of these top guys, but Hey. That's not where they're going to be sustainable, Alex. Right. They're going to have to, you're going to have to keep those guys as anchors. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You're right. So I think that's why you didn't see a trade like that. Anyways, two more quick ones before we get out. Um, I'll get the first one. I'll let Danny close it out. Um, We talked about Max. We talked about Eddie. Um, obviously we'll probably see those guys. Um, but other than them, maybe a couple of other prospect names that you could expect to be called up to make their debuts this year. And I'd like, uh, I'd also like to add there, uh, maybe someone who's lower, you know, not top five, top 10, but who did you, a guy you just really like, just give us a name. I'll tell you, we know know them all. (laughs) I like, I like, uh, Mesa jr. I, I really do. I nice. think he's going to be a good player. I think he doesn't get enough. I think people kind of lump him and his brother and think it's mm-hmm. a failed thing. But I, I've seen him, and I, I think I've told him to his face too that you know I saw him at what 16, 17, like being the youngest on the GCL field, and he's never overmatched. You know, he's always about the youngest guy in the field, and he's never overmatched. And, you know, and he just plays with a flair and he, and he plays with a style. I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to be, I don't know if he's an everyday big leaguer, but he's going to be a productive big leaguer. Uh, you know, Joey Wendell's an everyday sort of big leaguer. Um, you know, I think he could be, you know, a hitter in that, in that vein. And um, so I, I've always liked him. And Alex, what was the, the other one? 
Oh, uh, just I don't think you're going to see him, but mine was uh, just some names that you could see make their debut this year. I think Mace is still a little bit away, but yeah, just some some other yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Other than I, Max I, and Eddie. I, I, I think I think Burdick is the one that could be knocking on the door to be you know ahead of Bladé. You know, I think that may surprise some, but I think he might be you know if if one of those guys, if one of those two can take off in the first two and a half months and and really solidify center field and hit you may not be making that center field trade, you know, that people might be thinking. So they keep an eye on that. I think it's Burdick. I think that that's the one that they, they think more highly of at this point in terms of being, you know, closer to big league ready. Awesome. Um, final question <laughs> and um, give us your thoughts on where do the Marlins finish in 2022 in terms of the standings? I had them, at 75 wins before the Solaire signing, then I went up to about 78, and then the bullpen signings get me a little bit, maybe at 79. So I'm right there. I'm right at 79, 80. So if if Jazz performs and, and guys have a good first half and not the terrible first month and so forth, and they do that, you're a trade away from being an 84 to 86 win team. You know, and, and then you can catch lightning. And so I look at it like that. That's how I do it. But if you were going to pin me down, I'm in that 79 type of win, you know, right around there. 79, 80 wins. I think they are right now, you know, which easily can make them 80 to an 80. Right. You know, it's yeah, like, uh, of course, you know, yeah. they don't, you know, so. So I look at I look at it in stages. Like, how do you where are you and what can you be and what do you become with a move? You know, you know, if they got. If they got Reynolds, where does that take them? Does that make them 83, 84 wins? Does that automatically put them in a postseason? I don't know, but I think what you're moving out of here probably makes their window of sustainability a lot shorter. Yeah, so it's win now and suffer for the future. So even though the Marlins yeah. system – and I, I, I'm leery of that trade. Even though you want the player, I'm still leery of that because I don't think you're baiting the Braves tomorrow with that trade. Now, yeah. if you were in the Mets situation – where you're right there, then you then you go do it because you could always buy a player anyway. Yeah, so I think where the Marlins are, I don't think we're there yet. So I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up four, you know, four pieces and you know, Eater even, you know, because you may need Eater. Eater was better than Meyer before he got hurt. You know, that I didn't have anyone that I you know talked to. A lot of people have they all had him there. And that's a lefty. And if, if, why are you giving that up? You don't give it up, you know, right now, so, especially with six dollars. You know, it's like you that that attrition now is a nitrate out of the system. And, you know, it's like that depth goes pretty fast if you if you're not careful with it. And that's why, I'm, you know, I'm definitely you know, on the fence. I'm on, the one saying that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely on the fence on that conversation um, on what puts you over, you know, what, what really takes you to that next level, because I feel honestly, that the Marlins would be a great playoff team, you know, like, I, I don't think they'll beat the Braves in the division, but with their rotation, with their top three and, and prospects that we have, I think would be a great playoff team. So just getting to the playoffs, which right now is what, 85 wins, 84 wins. Um, I think that, I mean, that, that could be really, really uh, positive if you really get this team to the playoffs. Um, so it, that's where you need to ask yourself the question is bringing that top dude 
worth it? Um, and it's a tough question because maybe it isn't and you're giving up Khalil and Max. Um, and so it will hurt. Absolutely. But yeah, that's, that's a dilemma, right? I think they'll do yeah, something. Yeah. Like if they're, if they're trending 82, 80 wins, like you said, Joe, if they're trending in that direction mm-hmm. at the deadline, they got to do something right to, to after this Correct. message, Correct. we want to win. Right. But is it Brian Reynolds? I don't know. Is it doesn't somebody? actually have to be him. Right. Exactly. It, it doesn't it have be somebody to be somebody else. It could right. be some, it doesn't exactly. have to be Brian Reynolds. It doesn't have to be that. You know, you just need you need a productive guy. You know, how, wherever he comes from. Let's say one of these teams that are supposed to be in it fall out of it. Maybe it's just a rental. You know, maybe that maybe it's that rental that Marte type guy that for you know last year for for the A's. You know, you you it buys you that. But I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna say Dan. I think it's gonna be 86. I'm gonna say 86 wins to safely think you could be one of 12. Um, you know, yes. Could That's you get right. in at 84? Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's, let's just for, you know, just for reference point, let's see how close we are to that. But yeah, if I'm building the Marlins and I'm at 79 wins right now, how do I get to 86? You know, that would be, if I'm asking that question, you know, so who's giving me seven more wins, you know, yeah. it might be a pitcher. Right. <laughs> it might be a pitcher more it may than be in house maybe you guys know, you, you call up you don't know like you know it may be here already like that's 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 yeah that's why the holloways of the world they gotta you know these guys step up it's a whole new ball game now right you know exactly now it's on your bullpen arms already castano i think could be i i think he's underrated i think castano he i think he's a little underrated in terms of no he's not you know you're not getting the best lefty prop pitching prospect but you're getting you're getting value. You're getting value out of him in a, in a good role. You know, he, he can eat up innings. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's a little undervalued guys like that. They step up. They might help win you five, six games that you weren't expecting just because, and that's internally. You know? Yeah. And there's so much, this is the last for me. There's so much more well-rounded at the back end of the roster this year with Wendell, De La Cruz, like last year, the bench was such an issue and they were calling our prospects to sit on the bench, which killed me. But you know, you were looking at, you know, as you mentioned, like guys like Brinson and, you know, just these 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 more failed project. Magnaris Sierra was there as well. Isan, as much as he struggled, was there for a while. Um, Alex Jackson, who just left, was acquired at the trade deadline. So the back end of this roster is just so much better. And that's what I really point to. And when you're filling out a roster and filling out a bullpen with guys like Cassano, those are guys that you really look at and they're underrated, but you need guys like that on a winning team. So it's way better this year yes. from that aspect. Uh, no question. Okay. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be interesting to see how far they go, if they're in it at the deadline, what happens. I'm sure Joe will be covering that on Man on Second. I'm sure we'll be mentioning it as well and what prospects they get called up and who we see when. But for now, uh, that was a great conversation, Joe. I thank you, and me and Danny, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and, and join us and give us all your amazing insight. You are so well-respected for so many reasons, and I think this conversation is just one of them. So thank you again. <laughs> oh No, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and, and giving the, and the kind words. So, yeah, like I said, I, I still feel I have something to give to the game and the market. It's, hey, I want to see baseball thrive, not just be good in, in South Florida. I want to see it thrive. I want to prove people wrong we're a baseball state. So then I appreciate you having me on to you know, help spread the word. And Joe and his staff are doing that, guys, at manonsecondbaseball.com, at manonsecond on Twitter, and his personal account is at Joe Forsaro. Not only Marlins, they do baseball all over Florida. It's great content. Everybody should go follow it. Go check it out. Go read them. Go listen to them. Great dude. So uh, that's going to be it. We thank our very special guest, Joe Forsaro, and we'll see what the Miami Marlins have in store for Joe and us this season. Uh, We'll have more content for you here shortly. But for now, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time on Swimming Upstream. (laughs) 